It is time once again to talk some freaking smack. And the best way to talk smack is with Bob and Jack. What's going on, Jack Windsor? How are you, brother? Bob, I'm living my best life, man. You know, it's Monday. Super fantastic. February 6th, rocking and rolling. Yeah, you feeling good about the uh, state of the United States right now? The State of the Union is going to be coming up. It's on Tuesday. Uh, you feeling good about that? You feel you feel like we're strong, uh, strong nation right now? I don't know. Don't let the background behind me be any uh, influence to your answer. But uh, what do you think? Well, I think that's a lagging indicator. I don't need to listen to stumbling, bumbling, fumbling Joe Biden to figure out <laughs> where we are in the United States of America. We're in a crisis. Um, and we've been in a crisis, uh, since he took office. Um, now, man, it. it's, it's been one thing after another. And the list honestly is, is too long, but, <laughs> uh, the, the latest debacle is the, uh, China Chinese weather balloon that, uh, essentially flew across the entire United States before it was shot down. Well, let's be clear about that. The dude behind me called it a weather balloon. It was a meteorological observation tool that just floated off course. That's all it was. It was a spy craft. Let's be 100% honest here. And we're going to start with that. I've got some really strong thoughts on it. I'm going to let you go first. But let's remind everybody or tell everybody, rather, what's coming up here when we're done uh, picking apart the Chinese and Joe Biden's response to it, Jack. Well, first of all, am I surprised that it played out the way that it did? No. I mean, no, 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 could... no, no, no. What I was asking you to do is tell everybody what's coming up after we do this. Oh, we got a guest I... waiting for us here. <laughs> what's coming up after? <laughs> well, first of all, before I get into that, Bob, let me start by saying this, that tonight's episode is brought to you by the Freedom Foundation. Now, the Freedom Foundation is the creator of optouttoday.com. That's the number one tool to free government employees from union bondage. So if you go over to freedomfoundation.com, you can learn more and you can also make a 501c3 tax deductible donation. Now, when you do that, they'll double it if you put talk and smack in the notes. So thank you to the Freedom Foundation. And then we are going to talk to Mike Gibbons. Now, if that name sounds familiar, that's because he was leading the 2022 GOP U.S. Senate primary race before Donald Trump weighed in and endorsed J.D. Vance, who eventually not only won the primary, uh, but won the general election over career politician Tim Ryan. So we're going to have investment banker and financial guru Mike Gibbons with us to talk a little bit of smack. Yeah. And uh, political pundit now now that he's no longer a candidate he's allowed to weigh on politics and uh, he weighs in very very well so mike gibbons i'm looking forward to that so uh we are going to talk to mike after we talk about our top story which is indeed that giant balloon uh and the um dictator of the chinese communist party behind me go ahead jack you go first well you know to me it's really simple to believe that this would have played out any differently i think you would have had it to have a seismic shift in what's happened in this country between the time that we just it horribly screwed up pulling out of the middle east okay uh and and go forward we've we've completely screwed up everything since then but the part that's really interesting to me is that my understanding is this balloon came in from uh trudeau's communist Ch uh, canada <laughs> via china um and didn't it didn't it start? Where did it start? Let me make sure I have this. It came in correct. over Alaska. Came, uh, in, over came Alaska in over Alaska first. But it was spotted yep. in Montana. Which what do we have in Montana, Bob? Do you know Do you know the answer to that question? A whole no. well, first of all, we have uh, 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 ballistic missile bases there. Number Three. one, nuclear yeah. missile silo fields. Yep. Yes. Oh, and I was about to say, and we also have a whole hell of a lot of empty space, which is where 
I don't know, shooting a spy balloon down and not having to worry about it hitting anything other than maybe a, a stray caribou or some crap is about the only thing you had to worry about there. But of course, they didn't do that. I'm sorry. Continue. No. So it, it goes from Montana all the way down to, um, you know, through South Carolina, and then it's, it's shot down. Well, that's interesting because, first of all, it was in American airspace. Why the hell did it take us so long to shoot it down? I'm going to go back to what I've talked about a gazillion times since we started this podcast. Joe Biden is compromised. He's compromised in Ukraine because of Hunter's dealings with Burisma and the oligarchs there. He's also compromised in China, where, oh, can you imagine that Hunter Biden has contracts with Chinese companies that are, you know, part and parcel with the communist Chinese government. So um, that balloon went across the United States of America. What did it collect? What did it do? I don't know. But it's horrifying to think that it took us as long as it took us to shoot it down. Well, you're right about Montana. There's ICBM silos there. That's extraordinarily important. And to be honest with you, as long as that thing floated over American airspace, which was about a week, because we found out Joe Biden was first made aware of the existence of this balloon over American airspace. At the time, it was just Alaska. But over American airspace, last Saturday, the 28th, he did nothing on Sunday, the 29th, or Monday, the 30th, or Tuesday, the 31st, or Wednesday, the 1st. Well, now he tells us just a few days ago, that on, after they shot it down on Saturday, this past Saturday, he said, oh, I told the Pentagon they should shoot that down back on Wednesday. And when I first found out about it, it's, he lied. It's not when he first found out about it. He found out about it last week. So for seven days, they did nothing. And even if you buy his, I told the Pentagon to shoot it down, quote, when it was safe to do so to keep everybody on the ground safe. Um, that would have been Wednesday. They still didn't shoot it down until Saturday until it completed its mission Bingo. to traverse the entire continental United States, gathering whatever intel it wanted on whatever bases, whatever silos, anything that it wanted. And make no mistake, we can zoom in and probably read the timer on any of the, 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 the uh, uh, equipment that are on that thing, even at 60, 70,000 feet in the air. Between satellites from, from above and telescopes from the, from the ground, we can zoom right in on it. We know exactly what it was. We know exactly what its capabilities were. And they let it finish its job anyway, then shot it down over the ocean. And by the way, tonight, just tonight... I saw a newscast um, that uh, U.S. Uh, 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 Navy vessels are trying to re 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 uh, recoup or not recoup. What am I um, recover? Recover. They're trying to recover some of the debris. How in the flying freaking hell is the United States Pentagon so incompetent that the United States can't coordinate an airstrike on that balloon at the same time they have ships in the in the in the Pick ocean? Me. So me, I can soon, tell you as soon as you. <laughs> as soon as it lands, we scoop up all that debris and learn everything we can about that, you know, that craft and about that equipment. How is it three days later and we're just now trying to recover the debris? Uh, yes, I'll pick you, Jack. Diversity, inclusion, and equity. Because, Bob, until we are socially and emotionally astute and aware with our military, the world is in grave danger. Yeah, yeah. That that's and and you know what, Jack? I mean, I'm just I'm just so livid about the fact. I mean, you know, you you and I do sports and have done sports. So the, the metaphor here is, you know, tight ball game. Um, 
we lose by, well, tight or not, but we lose a basketball game by eight points. And after everybody goes home, Joe Biden's going to step outside the three-point line and hit a three-pointer. It's the gym's empty. The game's over. Mission has been accomplished. And you that's what shooting that plane down over the Atlantic Ocean does. After you allowed it to traverse the entirety of the United States and collect all of its data. The game was over then. The Chinese won. Jack, this wasn't a weather balloon. And you can call it a spy balloon, but I like what Tom Cotton called it in the United States Senate. It's a trial balloon. This was a test. Yep. Of the United States of America, what is our resolve when they violate violate American airspace, our sovereign airspace, and violate international law and send that thing over us for over a week? They wanted to see what we would do. Now they know. And you know who the hell else knows what we would do with an aggressive action by that like that? Every other enemy of the United States. Vladimir Putin, and I know he's preoccupied right now. North Korea, Iran. All of our enemies know that the United States right now is too damn weak to do anything about a violation of our sovereign airspace. So this is a huge, huge moment. And I talked to uh, J.D. Vance, Senator Vance, this morning on my radio program. And he said, history books may very well record this balloon, this spy craft, and it's floating over the United States for seven days and our eventual shooting, shooting down over the water and so on and so forth as the beginning moments of an escalation into a new Cold War with the Chinese. God forbid, he said, that it ever become a hot war. And I completely agree because we are completely unprepared in our woke, weak, underperforming, uh, uh, missing recruitment standards, missing retention standards, military. We are in no way, shape, or form ready to handle the Chinese machine. And God forbid no. we end up there. No, so. but you know what? We we have a lot of men and women in uniform who are sympathetic to biological men who want to pretend to be biological <laughs> women and vice versa. Who's your daddy, Joe? Who's your daddy? Xi Jinping. Xi Jinping That's is who daddy. your daddy is. There's no question about it. And, right. and by the way, Bob, real quick, um, has, has China done anything terrible in the last decade? I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty upstanding, right? I mean, they're well, yeah, the, other, yeah. The, other, the, other than, you know, murdering millions of Uyghur Muslims and putting them in concentration camps and because, about yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and then there's that, 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 that coronavirus that they didn't really give honest information about, uh, when it was, uh, let go they released a gain-of-function the... pathogen, a dangerous contagion uh, that they yeah. created in a lab with gain-of-function research on the rest of the world killing millions. So we should probably trust that it was a weather balloon, though, right? Absolutely. Okay. Let me tell you something before we get to my Gibbons. I asked uh, my audience today, and I'll ask Talking Smack audience members, too. You can answer in the comment sections as uh, you li- wherever it is that you're going to listen and watch this. I said, would you, if you were a military uh, age male right now, would you be enlisting in the United States military to prepare for war with China? Because I will tell you something. Uh, I've got a military age son, and there's no way I want him going anywhere near. And God bless our heroes who put on the uniform. But in this military, that's suicide. Until we get a military that is run by military men and not by Mark Milley, a general who warned the Chinese while Donald Trump was president had an illegal conversation with the Chinese military or his counterpart in China saying, if Trump, this, this madman, this unpredictable nut, Donald Trump, decides to launch anything at you, I will call you and give a heads up. 
literally told our enemy that he would give a, give them a warning if we were going to do any kind of a preemptive strike against them for whatever reason. Not that that was ever even a possibility, but if that's the guy running our military or one of them, along with Lloyd Austin, with all of the stuff you were just talking about, I, there's no way in hell I I would want you know. There's a reason why the retention and the recruitment numbers are so low. Nobody wants to be a part of this military. And I wouldn't want to see my son being next to some of those Uyghur Muslims in a Chinese concentration camp when it's all said and done. So, Well, I think the moral of that story is you better invest in melatonin and Unisom because I, I have trouble sleeping at night for the reasons that you just named. Very, uh, it's, very, it's an incredible very world that we live in. Yeah, Jack, you want to bring our guest in? I'd love to. Uh, so Mike Gibbons, he ran for U.S. Senate in 2018 and 2022. Now in 22, he led the race late heading into the May primary, uh, but saw the position fade after former President Donald J. Trump endorsed his opponent, who is now the U.S. Senator, J.D. Vance. Now, Gibbons grew up in Parma, Ohio, in a working class uh, neighborhood on the southern edge of Cleveland. And if you've ever heard him, uh, he has some very compelling stories about his dad, Gene Gibbons, who is a legend, uh, high school teacher and wrestling coach. And uh, he worked a second job to support his family. And Mike often talks about uh, the impression that his dad left with him. Today, Mike Gibbons, who grew up in that humble neighborhood, is the father of five children. He's the director, managing senior director of Gibbons Lang and Company. They are an international investment bank and financial advisory that he created in 1989, my understanding, uh, above a dental office with a phone and a desk. And right now, they are one of the premier companies in the world in their space. So without further ado, I want to welcome Mr. Mike Gibbons to talk and smack with Bob and Jack. Mike, are you there? He is apparently getting on. We're hearing from our producer who is behind the scenes. Whitney tells us that they're making the connection right now uh, to our podcast with Mike Gibbons. So uh, we'll, we'll bring him on when we can. And, you know, before we start talking about Ohio politics and Obviously, the Senate race that he was in that led to J.D. Vance, you kind of introduced earlier on. Uh, there he is. That's Mike Gibbons. Uh, before we get into all there that, we're going to ask him about the Chinese situation as well. He didn't <laughs> like that headphone, I can tell. Hey, Mike, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. How are can you, you good, sir? Yep, you sound just fine. How you doing, sir? Good. Good. Hey, Mike, um, you know, we we want to talk about your new role uh, in the Ohio Republican Party and in, in the in the Cuyahoga County Republican Party. And uh, as a finance chair, we want to talk about Ohio politics. But we'd be remiss. You know, you ran for uh, United States Senate, obviously, in that primary. And uh, if you had won instead of J.D., you'd be on talk shows right now talking about, well, you see my you see my background. You see the balloon and uh, Xi Jinping. Oh yeah. oh yeah. So uh, I figured let's get your thoughts on that. What is your what is your reaction to what down that thing floated over the continental U.S. for about seven days before it was finally shot down after it had already completed its mission? Your thoughts? Well, you know, I think uh, I think they're just kind of uh, uh, you know testing us. But but I will tell you, I don't know what it is. It may find we may find out it's a weather balloon. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't believe anything out of the Biden administration. So how do we know? And uh, they must not have thought it was some kind of a nuclear weapon or whatever. Or they would have shot it down long, long ago because now they've been talking about how it could be carrying explosives. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't like the idea of China having anything over our borders. Um, I think we should have shot it down a long time ago uh, when we discovered it. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to be anxious to see what it really is. 
Yeah. And you know, that's, that's, I agree with you. It should have been shot down a long time ago. Um, I think they've been able to zoom in on it well enough to know full well what it is. It, it surveilled uh, some very important U.S. sites. It's got uh, you know camera uh, and 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 other uh, uh, satellite type surveillance capabilities. So yeah. the fact the fact is, you know, they tried to say it's a weather balloon blew off course. It was totally navigable. It was actually being navigated and managed. So you know, and like Jack was just saying before you came on. Chinese has such a great reputation for honesty, right? Telling us what right. happened with the Wuhan flu. And uh, so, yeah, believing that it's a weather balloon, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But, well, the uh, only thing, the only thing that, uh, you know, maybe they're, I think they're smarter than that, but I mean, we're going to be able to, once we dig this out of the water, we're going to find out exactly what it is. And then I mean, they're going to look like liars or, and, you know, we should, you know, make sure everybody knows what it is. Uh, but maybe they're, you know, maybe they're stupid. And they think anything they say can be believed. I don't know. Well, yeah, just last thing before we get into the, the other stuff, Mike, I, I was telling Jack before, I am baffled as to why they, 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 they sink this thing or, or, or shoot this thing down with a side, Sidewinder missile, virtually guaranteeing everything in it is destroyed. You can recover nothing of it to learn from it, see what their capabilities are. It's, it's a balloon. Why not use gunfire? Why not just right. gunfire, deflate it, let it sink into the ocean, and have Navy ships waiting down below to immediately get the debris and pull it on board and start studying it? It's three days later, Mike Gibbons, and they're just now, I saw it on, on Fox tonight, they're just now in the quote-unquote shallow waters off of the uh, coast of uh, South Carolina trying to recover debris. Where the hell were you Saturday when it went down? Our, well, our military can't coordinate that. After Afghanistan, would you expect anything else? <laughs> no, sadly, <laughs> sadly, no, I wouldn't. All right, Jack, I'll get off the sub. I'll get off the subject, Jack. You want to take us into, uh, into yeah. somewhere else? Yeah. Hey, hey, Whitney, please put up that Cleveland.com headline. I want to, I want to lead off there. And uh, by the way, Mr. Gibbons, welcome. It's good to, good to have you with us. Thanks for joining Thank us you. tonight. There oh, it is. There we go. I love that. Yeah, so Mike Gibbons bankrolled uh, his U.S. Senate campaign. Now he's spending uh, spending to punish Republicans who worked with Dems to choose Ohio's new House Speaker. Now, uh, Mr. Gibbons, Cleveland.com really kind of took the focus off Ohio's strong action, which is a PAC um, that you know supported your Senate race, and they made it appear oh, that you're trying it to. It, it did not support my. It is a. It's 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 a federal PAC. We're going to convert it to a to a state pack, but it was I'm sorry, it was a state pack. We're going to convert it to a federal pack. Copy, uh, really, but w th this was to support conservatives when I didn't think I was going to run. And, gotcha. Uh, you know, and and it had nothing to do with me. It couldn't really, and uh, you know, and I pretty much funded that too. Uh, you know, we got some donations, but I, you know, I as you may or may not know, I don't like to call people and ask them for money. And, uh, and if they give me money, I don't like to owe anybody anything. Um, and that's kind of why I gave up on, on the traditional way of running for office. Well, thank you for that clarification. I think it's really important. And the, the PAC, though, um, has some objectives. But Cleveland.com kind of made it appear that you're trying to punish Ohio Speaker Jason Stevens and that band of 21 who voted for him. But my conversations with you and um, you know some folks in the pack lead me to believe that you're really not about revenge, but about conservative public policy. Well, I mean, so, I, revenge for what? I mean, I, I don't have anything against these people. Uh, bingo. But, I, I, but but you know what? I was a proud. I do. <laughs> well, you do now. Maybe I do now. Well, let me uh, ask well, it this way, Mike. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Let me what, ask what, it this what way, see, Mike. 
All right, well, I don't. I didn't have anything against these people, but um, mm -hmm. I mean, there's no personal revenge here. I have no axe to grind. Uh, well, you know, it, I, I I don't care if they elect Homer Simpson as the uh, Speaker of the House. I really don't. I think uh, it's for me. It's not about people. It's about the agenda. And uh, and if they indeed attempt, you know, this state elected a supermajority of Republicans. Why? Mm -hmm. Not to get Democrat policies. And and uh, and, and I think if they attempt to uh, to to circumvent the actions of the 45 or 44 good Republicans uh, in their pursuit of a of a conservative agenda in this session with a supermajority, um, we're going to we're going to, you know, we're, we'll be a nightmare for them. Uh, and I think we should be. I think you know, that's what they should expect. You know, the problem is in and we probably should talk about this is this was all engineered by a bunch of lobbyists. And, you know, the story I've heard, and again, I can't verify it. And, but I'm going to tell you what I heard. I heard that when Derek Maron won, he went to the lobbyists that weren't supportive of him or the, the people that were supporting the people that weren't supportive of him and said, it's going to be a pretty lean couple of years for you guys. And, uh, and they said, Whoa, we don't want it to be a lean couple of years for us. Maybe we ought to do something about it. Uh, you know, there were, there was reasons why this happened, and I think it had to do. I think what we don't understand is we always talk about our federal government being run by the deep state. We we kind of have our own deep state here in Ohio, and there are a bunch of lobbyists. And I'm hoping uh, as this goes on, those people's names will come out. Uh, hopefully. Uh, people would be embarrassed to deal with them and take money from them. I, I don't know if that'll ever happen um, because that's the easy way of, of raising funding because everybody gets paid. Then the lobby, the lobbyist gets paid, the, the candidate gets paid, and then they do uh, the, the lobbyist bidding. And that's what's going on here. And, uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, we need to, you, you guys need to dig into that. You guys do a good mm -hmm. job of digging into a lot of stuff. But you got to have some of these lobbyists come on, and I'll get you a list of the guys that uh, that are guilty. Well, I think I have a, a an inclination of of who some of those uh, who may be in some of those lobbying firms. I've heard a lot about labor. I've heard a lot about nursing homes. But let me ask you this, and I think you did a really good job of just teachers. explaining. You really don't teachers, teachers unions. Um, you did a really good job of explaining. It's not about the person; it's about the principle. So, um, it, it, you know, revenge isn't what you desire. I hear that loud and clear. But what do you plan to do, do. then to achieve the objectives um, <laughs> that Ohio's strong action might have? And then Bob, I know, wants to ask some hard questions. But what are sure. what are your objectives, Mike, uh, with Ohio's strong action? Um, my what do you intend to do? My objectives are to pass the agenda that we. I was. Very proud as an Ohio Republican when I saw the results of the House race and the Senate race in, in this state. The agenda that we expected to pass, um, you know, uh, from, uh, you know, we, we, we need to protect our Constitution. Uh, you know, we need to defend life. Uh, you know, I we have a very important bill we're trying to get before uh, both houses to uh, divide the uh the various metropolitan districts into in or the various metropolitan uh, voting areas into districts for for uh, judge elections for ju judicial elections that's a very important bill uh you know we're being kind of overrun we don't have a chance in Cuyahoga county of electing a uh, 
a, uh, a Republican judge, and that's not right. And you know, we, we believe that there should be districts set up. We're going to propose that. Um, we need to protect women's sports. I have a daughter that played you know, college athletics, and, and I've got a son-in-law that played for the Cleveland Browns, and I don't think they should be on the field at the same time. And competing against one another, um, you know, I think that we need to uh, give parents the, the control of what their kids are learning in school. I want to see a backpack bill. I want them to have choice, a choice to send their kids to a school that is is actually going to teach them the three R's and not try to indoctrinate them into some Marxist offbeat philosophy. Now, Mike, what I think I just heard then was, uh, and I'm going to kind of put it into specific policy, raising the voter a- approval threshold uh, for state constitutional amendments to 60 percent, uh, promoting uh, parent choice for their kids in education, opposing abortion and defending women's sports. Now, outside of defending women's sports, which I think will come across and I think uh, Stevens et al. will do a victory lap. Uh, it, it appears to me, based on my conversations, that part of Stevens' deal with Democrats, which, by the way, that's who uh, elected him speaker. Now, it wasn't Republicans. It was Democrats um, that he made deals that are going to kill those first three initiatives. So what do you do about that? And what do Ohioans do? About we we find somebody to replace him in two years and then we support that person and we do an extra special job of getting that done. And I'm ready to spend a lot of time and a lot of effort to do that. And I think we have a number of other people I've met with. We had a meeting in Upper Sandusky uh, a couple of weeks ago, and that's what we vowed to do. Uh, if these people are not going to take away what we thought we already had, and, and we had it because the people of Ohio gave it to us. And we need it. It, it's, it was our you know, ability to get the things that we want as, as conservatives passed. And they're not going to take it away. And if they do, they won't be in office the next time around. Now, I don't want to threaten them, but but that's I guess somewhat of a threat, and uh, and, and I think uh, and I think they better think long and hard before they decide. Now, I you know when I hear uh, Republicans saying you know it's undemocratic to have a sixty percent cutoff on the Constitution, where have they been their whole lives? I mean, did they not read you know the, the debates on the Constitution? Don't they understand that a tyranny of the majority is 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 what our our founders were most most frightened of, and it's you know I I don't think we're going to you know this the state will not support a complete ban on abortion I know that, um, but it also I don't believe will support uh, a, uh, a you know a total lack of any controls on abortion. And the problem is, is because of the 60 percent, we're going to get a Planned Parenthood bill that I'm afraid is going to be, uh, you know, something akin to the California bill where the, the birth mother's allowed to uh, commit infanticide 60 days after they're born because you don't like the way it looks or something. It's right. it's it's you know, we can't let that happen. And these guys have put us in the position where it could. Yeah. Well, well I want to say you know, one my- thing, Bob. Oh, go ahead. You go. No. That's right. Now, I was just going to say one thing. We're hearing a lot of, you know, 24 weeks with lots of loopholes. Um, if mom feels like she's going to be depressed and even if baby's healthy and she's healthy, she can kill the kid in the womb. Uh, we're also hearing that it might include uh, fundamental rights for biological boys that want to identify as girls and vice versa. But all of that is happening because Jason Stevens did zip since January 3rd to move uh, a resolution uh, across the finish line in the House that could have 
put on the ballot uh, the opportunity of, of people to decide if they want a 60% threshold in order to pass a, a constitutional amendment. Bob, over to you. I, I know you have something to add there. Well, let Mike respond to it. You asked it. Well, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, you saw Brent Larkin uh, come out and say this is anti-democratic. The problem is we have Americans who don't understand what a democracy is versus a republic. This is not a majoritarian nation because these, that doesn't work. We wouldn't be around right now and, and, and have the oldest republic existing in, in the world right now if we had a majoritarian decision on everything. I mean, first of all, Jim Crow probably wouldn't be over if that we had a majoritarian uh, decision on that sort of thing. It, you know, it, we have to work within the Constitution. We have to protect a large major minority, which is exactly what we have, because we I'd be willing to get we would have 35 percent, 30 percent that would want a complete ban on abortion. We probably have another 20 that wants a good bit of number of restrictions or close to that. And uh, and we probably have a little bit over 50 percent that if they don't have another option, we'll vote for, a, for for no ban at all. And and we we that's not the kind of decision you leave up to the majority. And, you know, and they all, and everybody says, well, 42 percent of the of the uh, or 40 percent of the of the state is now going to decide what they want. No. But what they're going to do is decide what they absolutely don't want. And they because we don't need that kind of division and. That's what our founders instilled in our in our federal constitution. It's a sixty-six and two-thirds. We don't want a constitutional amendment for the same thing coming up every every two years, and it will ad yeah. infinitum, because there's there's, yep. you know, it, it's a waste of our money. It's a waste of our time, and and it's it it it, it it's well within, um, you know, the political philosophy of this country to have a sixty percent cutoff for amendments. They've tied it to, they've tied it to abortion, but I'm I'm looking at it virtually anything, uh, right down the line. It, it it I think it should be sixty percent. Is it forty percent? As opposed, it ought to be tr a real trouble getting it through. In fact, it ought to be prevented. Mike, um, you know, you're saying we're not going to let them do this to us. We're not going to let them stop this conservative agenda that you outlined there, almost point by point. They already have. Because there's a headline right now in this uh, news publication that I'm aware of called the Ohio Press Network. Jack, uh, Jack you ever heard of that one? Uh, it's called the Ohio Press Rings Network. Rings a bell. There's a headline that says, as anticipated, Speaker Stevens fails to move Ohio constitutional protection amendment forward. It's already not going to be on the May ballot. Now we're looking right. at November, maybe. Maybe. And right. we don't know if that's going to happen because of the unholy marriage, the union between these 22 trans Dems and Democrats. And I'm going to call them trans Democrats because that's what they identify as. Yeah. If you're going to wear an R in your chest, but you're going to dance around like a goddamn darn Democrat, <laughs> then that's what you are. And yeah. I want to treat them like that. Mike, I, I am livid. I have never seen a weaker, more feckless freaking party with a supermajority that they piss down their legs like the state of Ohio's Republican Party has in my life. We can't even get censorships together in the biggest counties in the gosh darn state. Hamilton County, let Bill Seitz scream and yell at everybody uh, into in, in intimidating them into not censoring these 22 trans Dems. We're sitting there sending crap to a disciplinary committee in Cuyahoga County. And we got a handful, what, Jack, six, seven counties that passed censures. 
When are we going to start standing up for the 5 million Ohio Republicans and conservatives that are represented by those 22 turncoats who said we're going to give power to the super minority Democrat Party? The super minorities are going to choose the speaker. The super minorities are going to kill our conservative uh, slate of legislation. The super minorities are going to do that all so we can get what? Power. Jason Stevens gave all 21 of them plum primary committee positions in exchange for stabbing Derek Marin, the 45, and all of the rest of the Ohio Republicans in the freaking back. Mike, I want asses. I want asses held to account. I'm tired of playing with these people. I'm tired of pretending they're on our side. They're not. Well, I detect that you feel strongly about this, Bob. And <laughs> uh, and I also bit. do. And But, you know, I it, it isn't going to be yelling. It isn't going to be screaming. It is going to be. Now you tell me. Well, it's going to be. A- <laughs> <laughs> Bob, you missed the memo. <laughs> I love you, Bob. And, and I love you too, Mike. But you understand my point here. Well, no, we, I mean, we we gave control. We we had a sixty-seven seat supermajority. There's nothing they could have stopped done to stop the backpack bill, the Save Women Sports Act, the constitutional amendment, all of the things you just outlined. They couldn't have stopped, and Mike Dewine couldn't even have stopped it because of the supermajority. He well, couldn't even have vetoed it. And and now here we are picking our asses because we can't get it done. Now that the, we gave the Democrats as much of a say, more of a say, when you combine them with the 22 trans Dems, uh, than the 45. I agree. And we are going, I mean, I'm telling you, we've assembled a group of people that are going to do something about it. And I mean, I'm not going to give you all the details or, you know, I'd rather have them see it, not see it coming, but it's begun. I don't know if you've seen the signage that's up. Um, you know, I, I frankly, if if uh, if Stevens doesn't come around, he's going to have signs up and down his his own street by the time we get done. Uh, explaining to a very what is what does come around mean, uh, Mike? What, what yeah, what, what can you get done here? Like, what do you want to get done? Well, so far, he hasn't got him around. He hasn't gotten the constitutional amendment uh, limitation change, but he has until December to do that. We'll let him. We'll give him around until November to get that done. He he will get that done or we will be after him. Everything I outlined, he is going to pursue. Now, they will tell you. Now, I don't know if you've heard about this Rule 54, Rule 56, whatever it is. He now is an absolute dictator. He can push anything he wants to into the Rules Committee, and it dies. If it dies in the Rules Committee, he's going to be real sorry that he did that. And and I can tell you, we, we have a lot of people with a lot of wealth, and a lot of people that believe in conservative principles, and a lot of people that feel, feel that that you know we we saw traitors uh, literally uh, walk away from from the supermajority that this state gave us, and and uh, we're not going to let it happen. And you know, it, it, Mike, it, when they pushed that rule through the rules, though, when he did that uh, last week, and then he ignored all amendments. He ignored all amendments. He wouldn't listen uh, to Josh Williams or anybody else about anything. When he pushed that through, giving himself, like you said, Rule 54, the right to basically kill any piece of legislation and not let it come up for a vote, that means he became a dictator at that moment. You used the word yourself. Um, uh, how do we flip that? How, how does that get undone? I don't care. Yes, I mean, I you might be a very you're, – you're, you're a very – you're a very um, – uh, what's the word I'm looking for kind of a guy? You're very – Great negotiator. Uh, 
negotiator, you're influential, yeah. but but I mean, how how do you how do you take a guy who just grabbed that kind of tyrannical power and say give it back? Well, you know, he's he can only be there two years, less than two years. He's he should be counting the days, because uh, you know we have people that will be relentless, and you're looking at one of them. Um, we're we're going to you know give speeches. We're going to knock on doors. We're going to um, send out mailers. We're going to put up signs. This is good. They're, they're, we're going to go at this as if it's a campaign from the day he doesn't do the first thing that he should have done. We're, we're going to let her rip. And we will raise a substantial amount of money from conservative people in this state to, to make this uh, an effort that will be unprecedented. I, all I can tell you is we've already had, you know, Bob, I don't have time to do this. And I've set aside too many things to... Uh, uh, to uh, to do to put this kind of effort in, but you know I ran for office because I wanted to to help change America and, and, and begin to have them remember what what got us here, and it was conservative principles. And you know liberal principles have never worked. We watched them on display, um, you know for, for years now. And nothing works, and and they double down when it goes wrong with even more. And, uh, you know, look at our crime. Look at look at what's going on in this country. Look at look at inflation. Uh, inflation's not gone. Uh, you know, we've we've seen a dip in it, but it, you don't kick out, you know, eight percent inflation in, in two or three months. They don't learn. And we're in. You know, it's time that people put their money where their mouth is. And it's time that they get up and, and off their couches and get out and help achieve what we need to achieve. Uh, you know, what's going on in the schools is outrageous. The teachers are even flaunting it. They're saying, you know, we sure we trick the parents. We, you know, we, we do whatever we want to do. Every big city in the state, they're saying yeah. that now. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, Mike, it, it's got to end. Mike, I don't know if you caught this today, um, but the Ohio Press Network, the Ohio Star published a feature story Toledo Cleveland School Administrators admit to deceiving parents and promoting critical race theory in right. Ohio classrooms. And actually, I want to point to one. Uh, Rick McIntosh, director of school choice, Cleveland Metro, uh, and then also Keith Ahern, superintendent of Fairview Park City Schools, says that his district teaches to state standards, but because those standards are so broad, they can slip this stuff into social studies. And frankly, they're going to try to keep it under the radar. I mean, how do you react to that? Well, you know, I live in Fairview. Yes, I do. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> okay. uh, well, I mean, I, I don't have any kids in school anymore. My, my daughter teaches at Wesley. Uh, they're in that story too, by the way. Yeah, I know they are. I, I read the story and um, I think, you know, I can do more in Fairview by uh, with conversation and, and that sort of thing. I don't think people are aware of this. I, I and, You know, and a lot of people, let's face it, a very high percentage of voters in, in, in this state and, and across the United States, they don't know anything about what's going on. They don't want to. I mean, when you can talk to people and they say, you know, I want nothing to do with politics. I don't want any, you know, it, it's going to take it costing them something. Uh, and, and by the way, it's going to cost them in, in ways that may be too late by the time they get involved. Um, it's our job, I think, to to have them listen, to have them try to un, try to make them understand what's going on. But if you're, you know, 74 years old and your kids are older and, and your uh, kids have all moved to New York or L.A. or whatever they move, move to now, um, 
you know, all you, you all you care about is keeping your your uh, real estate taxes low. And we have to get more people engaged. We are get, being overrun with the leftist agenda right now, and they're bold about it. They, I mean, I'm surprised instead of calling themselves progressives, they just don't say, "Fine, we're Marxists." We, we, you know, we've adopted the Marxist philosophy. <laughs> they have. You know, let's just let's just call ourselves what we are, because like, they let me, don't care. They're let, let, me, let me ask you a personal question. Yeah. Your daughter is not on trial here. I don't know your daughter, right. but I'm just going to ask you: Is she like Dad? Is she conservative-minded, or is she, she Bob, not she's non-political? Married, she's married to Aaron Shea. Okay. She's um, uh, she's as former Michigan tight end, former Cleveland Brown. Yeah, yes. that's right. She's as, as conservative as I am. Okay. The reason I ask I mean, is I because mean, I, I raised you a certain way. Now I've got one that's a little older that. Uh, then Caitlin, uh, that's out in Chicago. She's, we had kind of a conversation this weekend about this sort of stuff. And, and I said, you know, you're kind of a Democrat. And she said, please don't call me that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I'm asking about your daughter, um, in, uh, in Westlake, uh, Mike is because of what Jack just mentioned in the article, according to Stephanie Morgan, director of student services at Westlake, Ohio, Ohio school district, social justice, diversity, equity, and inclusion are all in their district's curriculum. So I'm curious, how does your daughter handle that as a conservative, knowing what diversity, inclusion, and equity are, knowing what they do, knowing what they mean, knowing what CRT does, um, how does she handle that as a conservative? Is she able to just set her I've, ideology aside and follow whatever the administrators tell I've her to do? Or does she get into a pushing match with them or what? First of all, first of all she's an English teacher and she okay. teaches uh, eighth grade. And I mean, this, and by the way, she has a master's from Columbia's uh, teacher's college. So she went and got trained by the, the commies. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and she she would never teach that stuff because she didn't believe it. But she she has never had it, it presented to her. Okay. And I, I mean, I ask, I have a sister that teaches at Lincoln West. And I keep saying, hey, Pat, get me the get me some of this uh, CRT stuff so I can show it to people. Because I got interviewed down in Columbus by this Colleen. What's her? What her Colleen Marshall. Colleen Marshall. And, and she said, Mike, name one city where, where they're teaching CRT. And I said, and I always have trouble, I have always have trouble calling it CRT because I've actually gone back and researched how this whole thing came about. And, and they, they can deflect the conversation because it's not really critical race theory. It's diversity, inclusion and inclusion. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's this, this theory that uh, it's, it's postmodernism, of course, but that, you know, we are, if you're white, you're an oppress, oppressor. And if you're, if you're black, you're oppressed, and and in uh, and, and, you know, and they teach all this stuff, and they don't call it CRT. That's right. And and when you say that you teach T CRT, they said, no, we don't. That's a legal theory. It is written by some idiot at Harvard that got his law degree from on, on some. Well, crit crit critical theory was written by an idiot named Karl Marx. Just to be clear, well, crit critical theory itself, whether it's critical, you you know, the the modifier is in the middle. Critical theory is Marxist, period. And it is indeed designed to divide, as you just said, oppressors mm -hmm. from the oppressed right. based on categories and characteristics that may be out of the control of the individuals. That's how they divide and conquer. Right. So critical theory is Marxist in its nature. Critical race theory it's, can it's be taught. 
without hard. actually calling it a class called critical race theory. They just use the elements of it within the day-to-day lives in these schools. That's why they're all being forced to admit, yeah, this is how we get away with it. Well, that's true. And my, but my point is, I was I, I said Cleveland teaches CRT, and she and then uh, they followed up with we checked on what Mr. Gibbons said about Cleveland, and we called them and asked them, do they teach CRT? And they said, no, we don't. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there it is. <laughs> wow, cut and dried. No, no, it's a weather balloon. Okay. It's a weather balloon. <laughs> that's that's exactly like uh, I got four Pinocchios from the Washington Post when I said Sherrod Brown was a Marxist, and and they said we called the. Uh, Sherrod Brown office and asked him if Sherrod Brown was a Marxist. <laughs> no, he wasn't. <laughs> that is the best bit of investigative journalism I've ever seen in my life. Wow. These guys are stellar. Oh my God. No, I mean, it's, you know, the fact that almost everything comes out of his mouth has some Marxist origin does not, it does not uh, uh, <sighs> ring with their, but, but, you know, I, 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 they aren't, fa- they aren't facing it. My sister does not have, does not get materials that tells her what to teach, and she does not teach critical race theory or, or any type of. Uh, what what happens to Mike? I mean, I don't know if you've had these conversations with her or not, though. What happens when she is faced with it? What happens when they get the first, you know, uh, trans kids in her classes, and they're talking? You better call me they, them, or XM, or X, or whatever the made up crap that they want to do. She's going to have to do that to be quote inclusive with diversity, inclusion, and equity being big parts of the Westlake schools. She's going to have to do it, or she's going to face discipline. She's going to face problems, you know. So, and again, I don't want—I don't mean to single out your daughter. Any teacher that doesn't believe in that nonsense is in for a fight, or they're well, going to I, lose their jobs. I and I wonder how they handle it. I mean, my my solution is fire all those teachers that that want to impose that because, you know, there is no there is no scientific evidence at all that took gender dysphoria from a psychosis to some wonderful thing that happens to certain children because that's what's happened. And, and uh, it was a bunch of, you know, social rejects that wrote a theory that we should be taking and, and it's now been instituted in every one of our hospitals, every one of our uh, healthcare services, every one of our schools. Mm-hmm. Um, these people's lives are going to be hell. In, yeah. 85% of them decide that they're really not transgender after they say they are. That's if right. They, as they go through puberty, and, and this is what we have: we have foolishness, we have no common sense, we have uh, we have the inmates running the asylum right now, and and that's why the, the thing we want to accomplish, you know, I, as I said, I, I spent a lot of dough, I spent a lot of time, I detest politicians that go into go into political business to make money. I hate it. I I think. Any politician that goes in should come out with a lower net worth. And it's a sacred obligation that they do that. Yeah. And, Donald and Trump did that. He, he damn right. He did a lot. He came yeah. out with a lot of less net worth. Yeah. And, hey. and I and I accept that and I expected that. And you've heard me give the speech, Bob. You know, I, I have a son that's a, a Navy pilot and, and he made me shame, ashamed because I, I, I had never given what he's giving every day now. And I said, you know, and I tried to get a job in the Trump administration. I couldn't do it with, with the, the situation I'm in, or I, I could. I didn't want to change the name of my firm. We're, you know, well, known throughout the world now, and and you just don't throw that away. And and that's how I ended up running. And I can't. I don't want to run anymore. I I haven't made a final decision on the Senate race, but um, 
but I can tell you, I do want to do this. I do want to spend a good bit of my time trying to make sure what I believe in, which I think the great, the vast majority of Ohio believes in, actually gets enacted. And and, and I'm not going to arrest. And and, and 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 you guys are are incredibly helpful. A Thank lot you. more people listen to you than will ever listen to me. And uh, and and you got to keep it up. We we need to beat these guys because these guys are destroying our country. Well, and they're doing it in subtle ways. I, I want to jump in real quick, Mike, and I want to give you a story, an example. And and I don't know if you've heard Bob and I talk about this before. Bob, this is like the third time you've heard it, so I apologize. But I think it's important to remind our, our viewers. So my daughter's in Olentangy Local School District, which is the fourth largest in the state of Ohio. And let me tell you how this, this uh, critical race theory, social emotional learning, comprehensive sexual education, uh, transgender social activism, it, it, it creeps in, social justice. Here's how it creeps in one subtle way. Uh, they have sessions with guidance counselors every two weeks. And just a few weeks back, there was a handout. And on that handout, it talked about a boy who plays basketball who didn't want to play basketball. He wanted to be in theater. And so he went and, and was in the show choir or theater and felt um, really angry because a lot of his basketball buddies were upset because he wanted to quit the team. And they said, how are we going to win a championship without you? You're the best player. Long story short, um, what they tried to do was, and I understand empathy, empathy is a great thing, but they tried to present it as, well, let's be empathetic. This this guy, his identity isn't as a basketball player. It's, it's being in the show choir. And then it went on to talk about, now this is the critical part. It went on to talk about the Children's Bill of Rights. The Children's Bill of Rights, which includes the right to your own identity, which includes the right to uh, feel and think and do things a certain way, which, frankly, you do have a right under the First Amendment to you know, freedom of speech and, and, and religious freedom. But what starts to happen in schools is they teach that as a foundation, and then they teach you not only is it is it uh, okay to have those things, but if you don't support somebody else that is uh, transgender or progressive in their ideology, then you're violating their children's bill of rights you're violating their constitutional amendment and that's how they bring it in they do it subtly they do it through these you know we're all going to sit around the carpet and listen to the guidance counselor type of thing it scares the hell out of me and so even if there's not critical race theory right if there's not a, a book they pull down off the shelf and open up this is how subtly it gets into uh, the minds of our kids and they do it you know it's it's long term it's it's space repetition over years so I digress. But, you know, but I, I just I, I'm involved with, with an organization that you guys should get to know uh, called Values in Action. And uh, we are the ones that's responsible for all these kind signs and kindness, you know, being mentioned all over the place. Be kind to one another. And what I determined was, um, you know, if everybody was kind to one another, we wouldn't need any social emotional learning. Uh, the fact that somebody wants to be transgender is up to them. I don't even want to know about it. It's not my business. But I will tell you this. I think they don't have a right to their own identity until they're 18 years old. And if their parents don't want them walking around with a dress on, if they're a biological boy, their parents have the right to tell them not to. Uh, and, and, you know, and it may be, you know, it may get a little hairy there for a while, but, uh, in, in, if the parents do not believe that that, that that that's good for the child, it is their decision whether it's not good. Not not the there's not a the 
Mike, Mike, I, I want to underscore that. There's a meme that's flying around. It's not a meme. It's actually a person's uh, picture. It's, a, it's this beautiful 20-something-year-old girl who's got a picture of herself in her beautiful sundress. She's sitting there just posing, you know, like girls do sometimes. And uh, it's next to a picture of her in seventh grade in her football uniform. She played football. And the, the commentary she gave here was, I was the ultimate tomboy. I liked hitting. I liked playing hard. I liked playing with the boys. I liked tackling and so on and so forth. And then the crux, I'm paraphrasing this, of course, the crux of it was, thank you, mom and dad, for not uh, 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 forcing me to, to, to uh, uh, change my hormones or something like that. Thank you for letting me be what I was in the phase that I am. And look what I am now. I'm obviously a beautiful girl. Tomboys don't deserve to be chemically altered. No. My, I had one. Boys with effeminate traits don't yeah. deserve to be chemically altered and then referred go. for surgery to become lifelong uh, uh, doctor's patients. Lifelong doctor's patients, which is what these people are. And uh, parents, you're right, Mike. Parents have a right to say no. Not only am I not letting that happen to my kid, I'm not letting my kid get exposed to this crap. If you've got drag queens in the public library or the school library, or if you've got books on the shelves there that teach my kids, you know, uh, gay or, or trans or even any kind of sex when we're talking about young kids in particular even if it's straight sex it, it, kids are too young for that stuff you start pushing sexuality and sexual orientation and sexualization on children you're going to answer me uh and i'm not a dad i'm not a dad of a young kid anymore but someday god willing i'll be a grandfather and you better believe i'll be their worst freaking nightmare no it, it, you know it's uh i grew up in a in a household with a mother that was ultra catholic uh, my father was ultra into sports and, uh, and he went, he, he practiced our religion, but it was on my mother's mind constantly. And uh, it shaped me in a certain way. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I remember in maybe seventh grade or something, they had this big event at Parma Park School and they were going to talk about the birds and the bees for the first time with us. It was only boys going, and I, did, I guess I did it with girls, too, uh, ultimately. But uh, I remember I, I kind of felt left out because uh, I didn't hear about it, and uh, and I didn't uh, – and my dad would – you know, my dad wasn't going to take me like the other dads were, were going to do. And I told my mom, and I said, geez, I feel kind of bummed out. Everybody else is going, and we're not going. She didn't even know about it, but when she found out about it, she said, you know, I, I don't know about this, but uh, I'm going to get your dad to come home and do it. We went, we never talked about it again. Uh, it just wasn't, you know, our sexual uh, preferences or our, you know, our sexual thoughts were not discussed in our family home. And why, and, and I went through all through my childhood like that. And I've got a wonderful family life and a wonderful wife and five good, great kids. And, uh, and I, I did just fine. And now we're saying that they're supposed to talk about that in school. And I find it completely and totally unacceptable. I don't think they have to learn anything other than what the parts of the body are, like we did in health class. Yeah, anatomy. Now. We all had to take anatomy, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> There's no opinion about, about what you should be or how you should behave. That's up to the parents. And, yeah. uh, and that conversation should be had by the parents. We are not going to let these people indoctrinate our children. Mm. And uh, I'm going to fight it to the day I have the big one.
Mike, um, before you go, um, and thank you for doing uh, Talking Smack with us, Mike Gibbons. We really appreciate it, and we're going to stay in touch with you because you've got a very important role. Um, I want to remind everybody what I'm tasking you and others with. See the guy behind me there? Everybody see that? Yes, we do. Yeah, for those who don't know, that's Jason Stevens. He and 21 other trans Dems uh, sold out the state to Democrats. And I want to know what you're going to do about that going forward. We will continue to, to talk with you about that. But the last question I have for you, Mike Gibbons, is probably the hardest one for me to ask and the hardest one I'm going to ask you to answer of all of the conversations we've had. We've hit some heavy stuff already. You ready for it? Yep. Is Ignatius ever going to beat Ed's again? Um, that's, <laughs> I know this would be the hardest question for you. You know, we, uh, we're very sensitive people. at <laughs> You're not used to losing. That's why you're sensitive. Uh, that's why I brought this up, but they're not used to winning either when they play the green and gold anymore. So, well, well I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it's been a few years, um, uh, but you know, I, I had sons that beat them every year they played. Uh, and it goes in phases. And, you know, I have to tell you, uh, I don't know who the hell was going to uh, beat St. Ed's this year. Their line, I don't know if you know this, their offensive line is 313 pounds. Um, Massive. With four D1 scholarships on that line. Well, but, but wasn't there a time when Ignatius averaged 313 across the front? Yeah. Right? yeah. I mean, yeah. We, we had the same thing. And it, it goes yeah. in phases. And, yeah. uh, and you know, and we kind of go up and down and up and down. We still have 11 state championships to show for it. And, uh, and, you know, I, and, and Chuck Kyle's gone now. I think he'll still be hanging around some, to some degree. They put together a, you know, a pretty good group of guys. I've got a couple of relatives coaching there. And um, they've got uh, Charles Bentley back. He's handling the offensive line now. People are, uh, you know, they may have been asking that question too, and they're getting involved, and we've got, uh, we're ready to go. And I have to tell you, I have a grandson that uh, no matter what happens, they're going to win the state championship because this guy's going to be the quarterback. And uh, wow. <laughs> Aaron Shea's son, he's uh, only 11 years old, but he's uh, <laughs> but well, he's, he's a stud in the making, he, I'm sure. You know, he's a head and a half taller than everybody else. And my daughter was the captain of her D1 uh, soccer team in uh, at Lehigh. And uh, and she's he's got pretty good genetics. And, it sounds uh, like it. And uh, I'm, I'm, I think maybe not he's to mention, not to ben, not to mention Grandpa Mike. Yeah, well, well, well actually, great. You, you, it's I. You can skip my generation. We can go back to my dad. He was, he was, <laughs> but uh, no, it's. Well, uh, thanks, thanks for answering the tough one, Mike. That was yeah, I knew well, that was going to be a little you know, painful I, for you there. I don't know if it'll be next year because they, they have a lot of those guys back, but we, we've got some pretty good guys coming up. So, Mike Gibbons, thank you. Thank you. Good talking to you guys, and uh, let's fight the battle. You got it. We'll Thank you, it. sir. I appreciate you. See you. All right. Thank you uh, so much to Mr. Gibbons. Uh, <clears throat> a lot of ground, Jack, and we only have a couple minutes left here, so I don't think yeah. we can do much of a retrospective, but if you want to close it out, fire away. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, I'm going to go back to this whole coup of 22 thing. <clears throat> we uncovered what was going on before it happened, and then we reported on it uh, in depth after it happened. And we really pulled out a lot of those red herring arguments like, hey, De Derek Marin isn't going to be a uniter. He's not going to be organized. He's not going to be a leader. And he didn't call me, you know, all of these things. And, um, you know, you talked to Mike Gibbons a little bit about uh, censures and, and and what's going on. Well, you know, the Cuyahoga uh, County uh, Republican Party, they attempted to censure Tom Patton, state representative Tom Patton, 
last week, and that got kicked over to the disciplinary committee, which my understanding is they have eight weeks and then they'll report back with findings and a recommendation for the entire body. But here's here's the problem for me with people like Tom Patton. It, um, you know, I've asked him specifically, why did you why did you vote for Stevens? And, you know, he really just kind of hemmed and hauled around about it and said, if you really want the answer, come up to Cleveland and meet me and talk to me. And uh, I actually got a text that he sent uh, another official. And in that text, he said on January 3rd, basically, Marin is bad for me because of uh, right to work legislation, mm-hmm. which basically means that, um, you know, Tom Patton is beholden to labor unions. So, um, you know, he, he threw a lot of those red herrings out there. So I gave him uh, the opportunity. I said, you voted for Stevens uh, due to right to work and prevailing wage bills. Uh, hard to believe you didn't know that prior to January 3rd um, that you were going to vote that way. Uh, he probably knew that on November 16th when Marin yeah. was elected. He said, those yeah. are your words, not mine. <clears throat> so, again, this is my problem. If you're going to do it, own it, Tom Patton. I mean, at some point, you're going to have to face the fiddler, and uh, I think that time's going to come really soon. So, very disappointed, very, very disappointed. Um, if you're going to if you're going to have the balls to do something, have the balls to back it up and be authentic about it. And Tom Patton doesn't have the balls to do it. Yeah, he doesn't. And uh, dare I see neither neither do any of the other 21. Uh, I mean, I mean, I'm just I know I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I don't care. If you had balls, you would not go back on your word. If you had balls, you would uh, understand that when you voted and agreed on November 16th to unanimously support whoever won the caucus vote, and that turned out to be Derek Merritt, and then you didn't, you've proven that you are a ballless wonder. And I'm sorry for the graphic terms and whatnot, but but I mean, truthfully, I have no sympathy for these people. I will call them trans-dems until they stop being trans-dems. When they stop identifying as dems by acting like dems, voting with dems, partnering with Dems, colluding with Dems, then I'll stop calling them trans-Dems. But for now, they don't get to be called Republicans uh, until they actually act like Republicans. Now, Mike, I mean, uh, Jack, if Mike Gibbons is successful in working with these people through the pack and finding a way to flip them and getting them to go back to the conservative principles that they supposedly had when they were going to be supporting Derek Maron and thus the con- the a slate of legis- uh, conservative legislation that we're all talking about, well, then maybe they can earn a different um, you know branding. But for now, they're trans-dems because that's how they identify uh, by their actions, not by their words. Well said. I didn't even think about that. That explains it all. He's he's a eunuch who is identifying as somebody with brass balls. I, I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Ballless wonder acting like he's got brass ones. There you <laughs> go. All right. Hey, uh, Jack, this was a good conversation. I'm glad you were able to get uh, to Mr. Gibbons and get him on. Great conversation. I want to tell everybody as we wrap, if you got anything of value out of this conversation from Jack, from me, or from Mike, probably all from Mike, share this podcast with people you know. Copy the link. Send it to people in your Facebook, your Twitter, your Truth Social, your Rumble, your whatever accounts that you've got. Uh, But share it to people with people that you know. Let them know we're here so that we can continue to grow this and uh, do the work. Mike said it. You know, Jack, we can reach an awful lot of people between what you do and what I do and what we do here. And that's what we have to do if we're going to turn this thing around and fix the massive mess they have made of our state. So that's what Talking Smack is all about. So hopefully people uh, share it and support it so we can make that happen. Amen, brother. Thanks, everybody. This has been Talking Smack. I'm Bob. And I'm Jack. And we'll see you next time.